It's Monday, December 2nd. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. If you thought your family get-together was awkward, just be glad you're not heading to the NATO summit tomorrow. World leaders have been throwing shade at each other for weeks, but now the time has come to hash things out in person. Then the Supreme Court is back on the bench. First item on the agenda, gun rights. We'll tell you what a ruling on the matter could mean. And finally, a story that will warm even the coldest and bitterest of hearts. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, better known as NATO. Fresh off Thanksgiving, NATO is about to have its own family gathering at a summit in the UK. And all 29 members, including the US, Canada, and the UK, will be there. But this isn't just any get-together. It's NATO's 70th birthday party. Normally, a 70th birthday like this would be cause for celebration. But this year, it's kind of unclear who's planning on bringing the cake. So we're going to dive into what NATO's all about, what challenges it's been facing, and what to expect at this week's summit. Let's start with the ABCs on NATO. NATO was born in 1949, when 12 countries, including the U.S., signed a treaty that, at its core, was about joining together to defend against the Soviet Union. This was just after World War II, and members were worried about the spread of communism. There are 14 articles in the treaty, but the one that matters the most is Article 5. An armed attack against one is an armed attack against all. That was basically NATO saying to the Soviet Union, mess with my friend, and you'll have to deal with our whole crew. Through the decades, including a tense Cold War, that crew has held up pretty well. NATO allies like Germany, Greece, Italy, Spain, and Turkey have hosted U.S. troops at bases in their countries. NATO countries have also offered military help to U.S. troops in Afghanistan after the terrorist attacks of 9-11 and have helped fight terrorism across Africa and the Middle East. Meanwhile, that exclusive 12-country club has welcomed even more members. There are now a total of 29 nations in the organization, all dedicated to defending democracy against any forces that threaten it. So, sounds like everything's hunky-dory, right? Eh, not quite. After 70 years, those Soviet threats have become Russian threats. Russia's 2014 invasion of Ukraine and the annexation of Crimea sends a chilling message that old-school wars over territory are still a thing. And as the times change, the nature of the threats change too. Lately, other NATO countries, not just the U.S., have been dealing with Russian interference with their cybersecurity. Which means that these days, NATO has to prepare for not just potential physical warfare, but for digital warfare, too. Some other issues NATO is dealing with are more internal, as in good old family drama. The biggest drama has been over, what else? Money. Since 2006, NATO members have agreed to the goal of spending 2% of a nation's GDP on military defense. Basically, everyone's got to be prepared to chip in, if needed, to defend the crew. After the Russians invaded Crimea, NATO members agreed that Russia's actions had fundamentally challenged European security, and they doubled down on their pledge to hit that 2% spending target. But actually doing that has proved tricky for a number of NATO countries, and President Trump has brought this up a lot. Here he was back in 2017. 23 of the 28 member nations are still not paying what they should be paying and what they are supposed to be paying for their defense. 
This is not fair to the people and taxpayers of the United States. Since this comment two years ago, the number of NATO countries hitting that 2% target is slightly up. But some countries like Germany, Italy, Belgium, and Spain are still well below that mark. And that's not the only family drama NATO's dealing with. This year, one of its members, Turkey, invaded parts of Syria and attacked Kurdish troops that had fought with the US. That caused a lot of unease within NATO, and some speculated that Turkey could get suspended or even expelled from the alliance. And not only that, Turkey recently bought a bunch of advanced military equipment from Russia. So that friendship hasn't helped Turkey's standing either. So what should you expect at the summit this week? Well, all eyes are once again on President Trump, who will likely bring up the 2% spending target yet again. But even if Trump holds his tongue in front of the cameras, there are other NATO feuds worth watching out for. French President Emmanuel Macron recently called NATO, quote, brain dead. And he's lay pissed at Trump for tweeting that the U.S. was pulling out of Syria. He thought Trump should have consulted with NATO allies first. Macron's comments annoyed not only Trump, but also the German chancellor, Angela Merkel. She's upset with Macron for his comments on NATO and has accused him of having a, quote, desire for disruptive politics. She's also demonstrated an acute use of British metaphors ahead of the UK summit, saying she was sick of gluing together the cups Macron had broken over and over before they could even sit down for tea. So that's some family drama, all right. And the party hasn't even started yet. So what's the skim? NATO's 29 members are meeting in the UK this week for a two-day 70th birthday bash. And before long, we should find out whether everyone can debate spending, Turkey and Russia, and still stay in the same house together. Despite his frustration with French President Macron, Trump is still scheduled to have a one-on-one -on -one with him. Though there's no saying at this point how that'll go. And there are already rumors that some world leaders might escape the drama and have some fun instead. There's apparently a school trip planned to the nearby movie studio where Harry Potter was filmed. No joke. So stay tuned to see if this summit turns into a feast at Hogwarts or dinner at the Dursleys. Coming up, there was a different kind of family gathering going on today at the Supreme Court. Everyone wore their robes. It was a whole thing. And the topic at hand was one they pretty much avoided for about a decade. That's next. Hello, your friends from Skim HQ here. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and also the busiest. We asked, and skimmers told us they spend an average of 20 hours every winter prepping for the holidays. So we found a way to save you all some time. Introducing Celebrate Smarter Shop. We've skimmed the holidays and curated all the best products for you to give, host, up your travel game, and just de-stress smarter. Shop online today at shop.theskim.com. That's shop.theskim.com. Start shopping. After about a decade of silence on the matter, today the Supreme Court heard a potentially landmark case on gun rights. Here's the deal. The case has to do with a New York City law that regulated where licensed gun owners could take their guns. The law basically said, if you live in New York City, you could only take your gun to the seven firing ranges in the city. So if you're a gun owner in Manhattan, you couldn't take your weapon out of the city. Even if you were just trying to take it to your second home upstate, that must be nice. 
Important to note, New York City is the nation's most populated city with over 8 million people. And New York has defended its gun restrictions in the name of protecting public safety. But the local affiliate of the National Rifle Association and three New York City gun owners say the rule is unconstitutional because it violates their Second Amendment rights, the right to bear arms. One weird thing to know about this case is that the New York City law in question doesn't exist anymore. See, after lower courts agreed with the laws, the Supreme said, OK, now it's our turn. That's when New York loosened its restrictions. Now, the city says gun owners are allowed to transport their guns to another home or to shooting ranges outside of the city, as long as they're unloaded and locked up in a container. But on the road, gun owners still aren't allowed to make any pit stops, like at a gas station or for coffee. They also can't take their guns to a vacation rental. After that happened, New York City told SCOTUS that the case was essentially moot and didn't need to be heard since the rules had changed. But still, the Supremes say now that they are hearing the case, New York City has to defend this law it used to have in court, which court watchers say puts the city in a weird position because no matter what the court rules, the law that was challenged doesn't exist anymore. It also means that the Supreme Court could just decide to toss the case. But if the Supremes do decide to roll with it and rule on the merits of the original case, it could be a big deal. That's because the Supreme Court has historically stayed away from gun control cases. In 2008, they ruled that the Second Amendment is an individual right and that people have the right to own a gun for self-defense, especially for self-defense at home. Then in 2010, the Supremes ruled that that individual right applies at both the state and federal level. That was it until the court and its strengthened conservative majority heard today's case. And if they rule in favor of the gun owners suing New York City, the court could decide to broaden the definition that an individual's right to bear arms extends beyond just defending one's own home. And that would be a win for gun rights advocates. Like we said, the court heard the case today, but these things take time. And if the Supremes want to issue a ruling on the case, that ruling might not come until June. Though they could also decide to just scrap the whole thing. Because again, the New York City laws at the heart of this case don't exist anymore. And a possible decision to toss out the case could come in a matter of days. It's hard to go back to work on Monday after a nice long holiday weekend. But thankfully, you still have a few hours left to take advantage of Cyber Monday deals. Americans are expected to spend a record-breaking $9.4 billion online today. That's according to a new report by Adobe Analytics on holiday shopping trends. It's the first time shoppers will break the $9 billion mark on a Cyber Monday. But the online shopping spree began way before today. On Black Friday, Americans spent a record $7.4 billion online shopping in their PJs. Because why wait in crazy lines if you can just shop from the comfort of your couch? Over the five days known as Cyber Week from Thanksgiving through today, online shoppers will have spent close to a record $30 billion, about a fifth of all holiday spending expected this year. For tips on how to spend smarter this holiday season, check out the skim.com money. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from a small town called Fairplay, Colorado. Thanksgiving weekend didn't exactly bring the coziest weather around the country. And in Colorado, strong winds, heavy snow, and poor visibility on State Highway 285 stranded over 700 travelers. 
which is about the same population as Fairplay. So as cars grinded to a halt, the people of Fairplay shifted into gear. After hotel rooms got booked up, hotel managers let people sleep in the lobby. And when the cots at the local shelter filled up, the high school donated its wrestling mats for people to sleep on. And as blankets ran out, volunteers went house to house collecting contributions from locals. Until now, Fairplay was mostly known as being the unofficial inspiration for the town in Comedy Central's South Park. But now it's gaining a name for holiday hospitality. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us online. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.